As we continue in worship, I invite you to hear our scripture reading for today. It comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 26. Today I am reading from the New Living Translation. Hear these words. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the most honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We pray with me. Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your grace and your hope amongst us. Lord, as we enter to this time of deep discipleship, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your word speaking to us. Turn out the distraction of our day and our lives so that we may focus entirely upon your word speaking to us. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I love a good scoreboard. I love when I get to go to a football game or a baseball game to just admire the scoreboard. They are so filled with so many bits of information and pieces of technology that they are a marvel to just stand in awe of. Whether it's something minute as a small little high school gym 
scoreboard or something as magnificently huge as the ones that we find in college football arenas and stadiums. They are full of details of numbers and scores and who's on first and how many fouls and everything else. Some of these scoreboards are as big as my home. My favorite one is something that is quite simple and something that is just there, a tall pylon with just numbers on it that you find at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Just this gigantic pylon that just tells you the lap number and where the cars are from position one all the way to 33. While I love those scoreboards, the scoreboard that I don't necessarily like is the ones that we often use in the church. You often hear me call it the scoreboard, that number that we focus in on so often every week of how many people were at something. How many people were in worship on Sunday morning? How many people worshipped online each week? How many people showed up and were present. That's often our way of gauging faithfulness in mission and ministry is how many people show up. We'll judge a church by how many people came. We'll judge the effectiveness of worship by how many people were in the pews. We'll even judge a pastor by whether or not that number grows over the years. Yet that number is not a faithful way of looking at faithfulness or discipleship. It doesn't really tell us whether we are truly present in the moment. You have 100 people in a sanctuary and perhaps only 15 really focusing in on worship and the other 85 focusing in on where they're going for lunch. But we get into our head and our minds that When we think about presence, we're only thinking about just showing up. Being a part of the body, being a part of the number. I think there's more to presence than that. I think there's more to this commitment that we have made to one another and most importantly to God than just merely showing up on Sunday mornings, signing the register when we used to do that, and passing it along to the next person. There's something deeper about this commitment we have made to God and one another to be present in the life of the fellowship of God and our commitments in the community of faith that we find ourselves in. And as we continue in this series of Leaving a Legacy, What does it mean for us to be present as a member of the body of Christ? What is it that we committed ourselves to, to God and one another? Perhaps it's a question that Paul wrestled with in our passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 26. Paul writes in both 1st and 2nd Corinthians, though there's an argument that there are four letters combined in those two letters, what we have are two letters put together. 
In a lot of these two letters, what we see is Paul dealing with the vision and issues within the body of Christ known as the people of Corinth or the Corinthians. This was a church that Paul knew. This was a church that Paul was familiar with. And yet it was a church going through division. It was going through chaos. Part of the division Paul talks about in the first few chapters of Corinthians in that there were some who thought that you followed Paul. There were some who thought you followed Apollos. And then there were some who followed Jesus. They weren't sure who they were supposed to follow. And so they were dividing themselves around these cults of personality. Paul, in response, gives this classic line of, I, wa- I planted, but Apollos watered. But it was all for the glory of God. And it was God who did the work. Reminding us it's not about the person, but it's about the mission of God that is deeper and bigger than just one person. But as we continue further into this letter to the Corinthians, he continues to deal with not just the divisions in the church, but the societal divisions as well. Paul writes to a people that were used to classes and societal differences based upon how much money you had or how you were born or where you lived or whether you were a citizen of Rome or not. If you had money or if you had privilege, you were considered to be honored in society. If you were poor, if you were a servant, if you were a slave, if you were someone of lesser means, you were considered to be less than. And so these societal divisions of whom the people were showing up for, or whom they thought that they had to care about or be attentive to were playing out in this church. And so Paul talks about that. And he uses this analogy that was common to the people. This analogy of the human body being made up of many parts. The ear, the nose, the eyes, the head, the knees, the feet. All of these body parts make up one body. And Paul talks about how one part of the body is no less important than the other body part. And when he talks about this, what he's doing is actually twisting around the metaphor and the analogy in how it was originally used. Paul's taking a common metaphor from the society that was basically used in such a way to say, stay in your place. The hand doesn't mess with the knee. The knee doesn't mess with the eye. Everyone does their own thing. And if we do that, then society will be well. If the people of honored class stayed with the people of the honored classes, if the low life stayed with the low lives, everyone would be okay. But Paul twists the analogy around. He says, God has built a kingdom where we are called to be present with one another and to recognize that we need each 
other. The hand has an important part to play in the body of Christ as much as the eye has that part. And these body parts and these functions of the human body are to serve as a metaphor or an analogy to say that we need each other. Not to stay apart from each other, not to be distant from each other, not to say I have my silo over here or you have your silo over here and stay away, but to say we need each other in the body of Christ. To be present with one another is to be engaged in the body of Christ to recognize that Christ calls us to be faithful in our witness of love to every person and to be committed in love to everyone. And to see that person in the church, to see that person in society as just as important, if not more so, than you. Christ calls us to be present as a whole body, working together, loving each other, being attentive to one another, being there for each other. And when we think about this, that's what we're committing ourselves to, to be there for each other. Presence is more than showing up. Presence is about being engaged in the body of Christ. And so as we think about that, there's some things for us to focus in on as we think about what does it mean for us to be present with each other? What does it mean for us to care and honor and be there for one another, to honor each other and celebrate when things go well or even to mourn and grieve with each other when life is difficult? I think one, it's about seeing that presence means that we're there for each other. It's about being engaged. Presence doesn't mean that we're just happy if you come. And I think the church for the last 20, 30, 40 years has struggled with just this idea that showing up is all that matters. We have built ministries, we have built programming, we have built churches on just the mere fact that we're happy if you come on Sunday morning. Well, the consequence of a just show up mentality to worship is what we are seeing in the larger society of America and even the church today. And that is that we have this high desire for the church, but yet a low understanding of what it means to be the church. We show up, but then we don't engage. We show up, and then we check out. Ask yourself today how many times you've scrolled on Facebook to look at your Facebook feed as the worship is playing. Ask yourself when you're in the sanctuary how many times you think about everything you've got to do 
the rest of the day and the week as you're listening to the sermon or hearing the songs or even just in the prayers. Now, we all check out from time to time, and I get that. But if we check out continually, if we're not engaged in the whole body of Christ, we are not physically and emotionally and spiritually present to where God is leading us. While the body may be present, the soul and our focus is elsewhere. And so if we want to be engaged, if we want to be present with one another, if we want to live out this commitment, then we have to see that we need our full attention to worship. To be fully attentive to the needs of one another. And not just be happy with showing up, but to be engaged. I think another thing, too, that we need to think about when it comes to presence is this idea that there is something for all of us to do. And that each of us have different gifts and different talents and different blessings that bring us together and make us the church. You've often heard me said that God has put us together in this time and in this place to do the work of God. And yet too many times in our lives, we think that we're not good enough. We think that we don't have the right gifts or that we're too old or we're too tired or we're too not enough. We devalue what God has blessed us with. And hold back our very gifts of life and our presence in the body of Christ by thinking little of ourselves as well. We can do that to one another by saying that we only need a certain type of gifting to be the church. I can't tell you how many churches I've been at when a new member walks in, if they look like they've got a little bit of money, how many people come up to me and say, Pastor, did you meet the new person that was here? But yet, if it was someone that looked poor or homely, no one seems to mention that they were there other than to say, Pastor, can you keep your eye on this one? We've got to say that it's not just a certain type of people who are welcome. That God blesses all of us to use our gifts and our graces to build the church and to be the church. We need to create spaces where people are invited to be a part of what God is doing in our church. I think that's an important aspect of presence is creating and cultivating spaces for people to be there for one another and to build relationships with each other. Too often we get caught up in this idea of ministry as a task. Something to do to get done with the day. Let's finish this project 
so we can go home. Let's finish this up so we can get out of here. I got everything else to do. I'm, I've got too many things to do. I'm too busy. I can give you this amount of time, but I need to leave. So let's get this done and over with. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that in my life and in my ministry. We just need to get this done so we can get out of here. Ministry as a task. And when ministry is a task, then we look at everyone and we say, how many people do we need to get this done in the most effective way to accomplish a goal, to get this done in less time? And so we'll only recruit a couple people and usually just our friends and the people we really like to be around us for those ministry moments. And when someone has a passion to be present at something and wants to be a part of something, we usually say, oh, that's all right. We, we've got more than enough help, enough help. Or we don't need you here. Go on. We've got this. When we say those things, we're not being present to one another. And we're not building relationships that are deepened in the love of God and with one another. And in fact, what we tell that other person is you're not one. And don't show up. And when we look at mission and ministry as a task in which we are present only to get something done as quick as possible, when we look at mission and ministry as a task to accomplish like a NASCAR pit stop in 10 seconds or less, we're not being present in the moment. And then we wonder why fewer and fewer people want to show up. To be present we have to cultivate spaces for people to shine. And most importantly, for God to shine in them and in us. To be attentive, to listen, to engage, to open and welcome as many people as possible to the dance, into the fellowship, and to engage with one another. One of the things that I have reflected on over the last two and a half, three years now is how lacking this concept of presence is. And I think a lot of it has to do with COVID. And I think a lot of it has to do with how we have separated ourselves from one another. But I think there's that deeper sense that we've seen ministry too much as a task and not about relationships. And I think this is a symptom of something that has been brewing for a long time. Of just seeing ministry as task to get this over with to where we're not really being as present with each other as perhaps God calls us to. And I think moving forward as we come out of COVID, and I know it's still there, and we're going to continue to do things safely, but there are ways that we can do ministry and mission safely. And there's ways we can do relationships safely. 
There's ways we can be present with one another safely. But coming out, one of the things that I've been thinking about is we've got to be present with each other. And we've got to build relationships with each other. And we have to be there for the whole church, not just our favored few, not just for our cliques, not just for those with power and privilege, not just for those who want everything done their way. We have to be there for the honored and the dishonored. And we have to cultivate spaces for relationships. Because we know what it's like to not feel that presence with one another. I've been home now for three, starting my fourth year here soon. And I feel distant to my home state and to my conference because we look at ministry too much as task and not about relationship, about getting to know each other. We're too busy trying to be busy for God and not busy enough being the church God calls us to be. To be present in the moment, to be present in relationships, to be present in time, to be engaged. I wonder what it would look like for us as a church, as individuals, if we just said, of all the values that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, if we just say, you know, I'm going to make a deeper commitment to this one. To be present, to engage, and to grow deeper. Because I think if we do, if we make a deeper engagement to God and one another to be there for each other, I think God will do something that will shock us. And I think we will be amazed at what a difference it will make in our souls, in our lives, if we just truly engage and be present with one another and with God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. Help us to be present with one another and mostly you. In Christ we pray.